0: Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking today about searching the dark web for your data. Five things that you need to know. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Danny Rogers. He's the co-founder and CEO with Terbium Labs. Danny, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks so much, Tom, for having me. Danny, I know you've given the dark web a lot of time and energy. What do you find to be some of the popular misconceptions of the dark web and what really happens on it?
1: It's a really good, great question because the the term dark web is so loosely defined. We've, through our original research, found that actually over half of the content uh, floating around on these anonymous, you know, hidden services and other places on the internet is actually perfectly legal and benign. It's sort of the other half that you really have to worry about. And, you know, that other half is split. You know, a lot of it is illegal drugs. A lot of it is you know, stolen credit cards, uh, other other uh, stolen data, and, and I think those are the parts that specifically one needs to worry about. You know, we haven't seen a lot of sort of terrorism out there. I think a lot of that's overblown. I think a lot of the the you know the the more kind of well-publicized scams around things like assassination services and weapons. I mean, a lot of that is mostly mythology. Uh, the truth is, like I said, it's a lot of drugs, but also a lot of fraud and, and stolen data, too. And, and that, those are the parts, that, especially the fraud and stolen data, where we, we tend to focus.
0: Well, let's go through the five things that you need to know about the dark web. And let's we'll start with this. What's required to access the dark web?
1: That's a, that's a great question. So for starters, it's, it's a little bit hard to define, what the dark web is, it's pretty loosely defined, like I said. So, you know, if you're talking about accessing Tor hidden services, for example, so for starters, the Tor network is an is a pro, uh, anonymous proxy overlay network, and it requires special software from the Tor project to, to even access. There's a special web browser and other software underneath that that, um, that kind of connects you into this proxy network. Once you're there, you're able to access, for example, what are called hidden services, which are websites that are anonymously hosted within this Tor network, the URLs often then in, in in dot onion, and there are other proxy overlay networks such as I2P and FreeNet and things like that. But the overwhelming mass of of content and and uh, and data are are on Tor. So you need special software to start with. Now, now that said, there are sites on the clear web, whether it's carding forums or stolen information for uh, marketplaces or even paste sites, that uh, that don't technically require Tor. To access, but then you can get into some uh, some sort of dangerous territory where you're you know potentially accessing sites and giving away who you are to the folks that operate these sites, and you may not want them to know that you are looking, right? And that's where these anonymization technologies come in. So so from a technical perspective, at the very least, you know one of these anonymization services like Tor is the, is the minimum requirement to even be able to view this part of the internet.
0: You talked a few minutes ago about mythology, about the dark web. How do you separate fact from fiction?
1: You know, it's it's difficult unless you have access to the, the actual specific data you're searching for. I mean, it's a kind of famous uh, New Yorker cartoon right on the Internet, no one knows you're a dog, right? And uh, it's kind of important to remember that a lot of the people out there claiming to have breached certain organizations, claiming to be capable of certain things, right? A lot of them are, are, are scammers. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, trying to pump themselves up to look more sort of elite than they are. Sometimes it's perpetrating scams to steal Bitcoin from other people uh, on the on the dark web. And so, uh, well, you know, the way we do it is is really by retiring our search technologies to specific data uh, on behalf of our clients through our data fingerprinting techniques. And so, it just, it, verifying a data breach, whether through some automated techniques like we use or manually the way some security researchers do, it's really important to be able to tell what's a scam and what's real. Uh, we've, there's been a number of notable examples over the past couple, year or so of publicized you know, data breaches that turned out to be false or pieced together from, pre, you know, from historical events um, or claims that were made that just were flat out not true. Uh, so it it is a challenge, and it's something that you know whether you do it by hand or build in automated systems as we do, it's definitely something that that's sort of a, a must-have to be able to tell the difference between what's fake and what's real.
0: The third thing individuals need to know: what are the legal considerations they need to weigh?
1: That's a really important issue. You know, there's a lot of content out there that is illegal to even just access, right? Certain kind of uh, illegal pornography and child abuse imagery that you know is prevalent out there that is really kind of you know important to combat but illegals as a you know private citizen to even just access and so you know having a procedure in place to filter it out and avoid it to report it when you do find it is critical and we have obviously all of that in place and then just storing and accessing other kinds of stolen information I mean in in technically it's always important to remember that when you're looking at this data breach stuff you're you're touching stolen property so how do you kind of provide this search capability? How do you search this part of the internet without kind of accidentally trafficking in stolen goods, whether that's through BitTorrent or, or you know, just in the in the sort of process of of indexing these parts of the internet, um, is really important um, because uh, I think more and more there's going to be uh, kind of attention paid and enforcement activity around kind of accidentally. Both, um, you know, proliferating this material and incentivizing the people who are who are doing this, the 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 stealing
0: to put it out there. Danny, fourth item: we talked about the legal considerations. What about technical and even tradecraft considerations? Yeah,
1: that's that's also incredibly important, right? Um, you know, a lot of these forums, you know, they're they're run by you know, hostile actors, and so whether that's you know the fact that that a lot of the you know, let's say you download a a guide or a PDF or something like that, right? It's very, very likely impossible that that document can be or that file can be uh, infected with some kind of malware, right? So, you know, thinking about how you handle materials that you pull from that part of the internet is very, very important. Thinking about um, kind of the browser configurations, whether it's, you know, enabling JavaScript or not and things like that. That, that open up a tax surface to these hostile pages, right? I mean, there's no honor among thieves, and the people that operate these pages are just as much out to steal from the people who are visiting them as they are to, to other kind of third parties. And so it's super important to have a technical setup that protects you. I mean, Tor Browser does in some ways try to help, although there's a lot of room for improvement there. I think the community will agree. And so just from a technical perspective, like I said, you protecting yourself from potentially hostile site operators is one thing. The, the other big thing is is tradecraft considerations, right? Folks uh, very wisely say that, you know, uh, encryption and anonymity technologies will only go so far as your tradecraft or lack thereof. And so it's much more important to have good tradecraft and, you know, whatever technology you can handle than the best technology and poor tradecraft. And so you know, you can you can anonymize yourself using Tor, and then accidentally type your real email address or name into a form, and suddenly, right? All all of that that anonymization doesn't really help. Um, so there's a lot of art and sort of knowledge and 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 expertise in in not accidentally leaking kind of your identity or anything sensitive about yourself. I mean, I know of organizations out there that you know when they claim to quote search the dark web, they're actually going and entering like you know, your sensitive data into the dark web search engine, uh, search engines on the marketplaces, and thus actually you know, act inadvertently revealing those sensitive queries to the marketplace operators, which is a really, really big risk and a really big no-no. And, and I think that, that there needs, you know, there's always a, a lot of attention that needs to be paid to how you interact with these parts of the Internet so as to not give yourself away, as to not put your own data or your own organization at risk.
0: Danny, last point. The dark web is constantly changing. Why is this a key bit of information for users to know?
1: Yeah, I mean it really is constantly changing. The sites go up and down as uh, you know researchers or law enforcement pay more or less attention to them. They move around uh, to different URLs, often in rotation or randomly, um, in response to you know the kind of hostile environment in which they operate. Sites merge and split uh, regularly. Different groups show up and, and start their own marketplaces. Other groups, you know, exit scam and close down marketplaces. So these things change pretty dynamically, and it's really a challenge to try to keep up with them by hand. You know, this is why we're so focused at Turbium on automation, just because keeping up with that frontier. You know, where are the latest forums? Where are people posting the latest information? Where are they putting up? You know, your W2 information for sale, right? All these these sites they come and go so quickly that you really need a kind of an automated system to at least stay ahead of that and discover the new ones right often often you you know you can still have humans kind of follow up behind and fill in the gaps but it's just so dynamic and uh, and so sort of word of mouth that unless you're sort of really in the community you're never going to be able to keep up, and, and even if you are, you can never really keep up with all the different communities, whether that's you know the carding forums, the, the, the identity theft marketplaces, the drug marketplaces, the you know all these places that are that are kind of their own specific subcommunities. There's no way by hand to keep up, and and if you try, it's just gonna it's just gonna scale to where it becomes prohibitively expensive, and that's why you know we we think automation is one of the absolute keys to be able to do it to do this effectively.
0: Well, Danny, to wrap up our conversation, tell me a little bit about Turbium Labs. What are you doing to help your customers monitor and use the dark web appropriately?
1: Absolutely. And thanks for asking. I mean, we um we really focus on you know, fully private, fully automated dark web data intelligence and and what that means is that we use our automated systems to keep up with this part of the internet and to to stay ahead of it. Um, you know we read, our machines rather read the internet faster than any human could, and we use that advantage to, to to stay ahead of this dynamic environment. You know, and then at the same time, we use this privacy-protected data fingerprinting to uh, to monitor this part of the internet for our customers' sensitive information, and we do so in a way that doesn't require them to uh, to reveal that information to us, but can still tie it back to that original uh, that original data, and so tying it back to the point earlier about how do you tell what's real and what's fake you know we tie our matching directly to the customer information itself whether that's you know a, a employee personal information or customer data or just specific identifiers you know we know the data is real because the fingerprints match um, and so you know we don't have to do nearly as much sort of manual Evaluation or vetting of you know is this real or fake we can just, and, and in fact We don't even have to rely on things being labeled right if there's just sort of a big dump of PII on our obscure Pace site if those fingerprints overlap and match with what we have on file for our customers They're automatically alerted when 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 that shows up and, and so Really focusing on bringing that breach discovery time down from the you know months that it is now down into the minutes, right? And so so you know, in some cases, we're able to alert our customers that their data has popped up somewhere it shouldn't within a matter of minutes of it, of it appearing. And so uh, that's really kind of a, an overview of what we do and we try to do that in a way that's much more affordable than, than others in the space. Again, coming down to this automation, right? If we're not trying to kind of scale up human beings trying to keep, a, keep ahead of this frontier, then um, we can do it at a much more affordable price point. So really, that's what it comes down to, right? Full privacy, full automation, the actionability of of tying into the real data and the affordability of, of of our of our offering.
0: Very good. Danny, I appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. And then, uh, you know, g- good luck out, out there on the dark web.
0: The topic has been searching the dark web for your data, five things you need to know. I've been speaking with Danny Rogers, co-founder and CEO of Terbium Labs. For information security media group. I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.